As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. Mike Cobbinger, alongside Lance Pugmire. Obviously, we have big fights to get into. Lomachenko Lopez over the weekends. And then we're going to be joined by WBC President Mauricio Suleiman to talk all things franchise champion and, of course, the creation of his new 224-pound division. So that's going to be our show. Now let's get into it. Lance, finally, for the first time since the global pandemic took hold, we had a major, major fight and it delivered big time. Um, Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez. Really boring first seven rounds. Blistering finish through, from 8 through 12. We have a new star and a new undisputed lightweight champion in Teofimo Lopez. Great for the sport. Also great for the sport, ESPN pulling in a, an audience of th- around 3 million, not including streaming, which is absolutely massive. Great for everyone. And look, being ringside, it, it was a great experience being back at the fight. And... I just think it was one of the best nights we've seen for the sport in a while. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, like you said, the drama of this fight, it took a while to get going. And there was, you know, let's be honest, even though those were uh, seven boring rounds to start it, there was high drama there because you're saying, like, what is Lomachenko doing? Why is he giving away all these rounds? He's not going to be able to knock out Tiafima Lopez. And so you could see, you know, the real... The first real defeat, uh, by uh, at you know of Lom- Vasily Lomachenko, um, in his prime was taking place, and it was uh, stunning to be delivered, at, you know, by a, this twenty-three-year-old who has talked so much smack along with his father about the the great Lomachenko, and yet he comes through, he delivers, you know, and, and this in this uh, brilliant moment with so many people watching, and it's exactly what the sport needed. I mean, we've got a charismatic personality. Um, to, you know, look, he's not right now the pay-per-view star of Canelo Alvarez, but this is a guy who has so much upside. It's remarkable. It's a guy that uh, can ultimately fight at 140 pounds, at 147 pounds. And, I, you know, I thought that the way he fights and the, the uh, power and the pressure that he brought to Lomachenko is something that is going to, you know, pave the way for a very long and successful career. Yeah, I mean... Look, yeah, Teofimo Lopez is a perfect guy to be the next star in boxing. And it just so happens that he happens to be in an absolutely stacked division with other young lightweights in the U.S. Look at Javante Davis, 
Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney. I mean, let's hope boxing can deliver. You know, it's it's too often the story that we don't get the fights we want to see. But we got it in Lomachenko Lopez, and now let's keep the momentum going next year. Let's see these four guys fight each other. Do a round robin. I mean, these are all, all four of these guys can be major stars in boxing. Um, they all have the talent. They all have the charisma, the personality. I mean, I, I think we're very fortunate right now. Now it's going to be up to the sport and the promoters to work together and deliver these fights. Mike, I know you were there inside the bubble. What was it like at ringside for that fight? I mean, what were you thinking as you saw this fight playing out? I mean, same as you, Lance, you know, um, bewildered that Lomachenko took so long to get going. And, you know, but you know why he took so long. He was trying to let Lopez tire a little bit, perhaps let some of the sting of those punches come off. I thought Teofimo did an excellent job of every time Lomachenko threw, he countered right away and made mm-hmm. him pay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Loma, I mean, but to get going in round eight is preposterous. You know, Lomachenko, you can't give up that many rounds, obviously. It's simple math. Right. You have 12 rounds to work with. He needed to start doing that in round four at the latest. Uh, he, once he started putting Loma, uh, Lopez on the back foot, he was winning rounds. I thought he clearly won rounds eight, nine, 10, and 11. I actually gave him the second two, but that's debatable. You could give the second to Lopez, certainly, and mm-hmm. a lot of people did. I just don't see, and I hate that we even have to talk about this, because Lopez, I thought, did clearly win, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But now we have to talk about this, these outrageous scorecards. I mean, Julie Letterman, the son of the late Harold Letterman, had a 119-109 for Lopez. I mean, you mean to tell me that Lomachenko won one round? That's just disrespectful. It's not reality. and I just can't imagine how someone who's watched the sport, who's grown up with the sport, could see that. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And look, I mean, we we touched on this in a story not too long ago in The Athletic that the judging in the bubble especially has been, uh, you know, troubling uh, spotty. And we know that judging has had uh, problems throughout the years in big fights when everyone's watching. And you would have hoped that, you know, this fight could have escaped that. And yes, like Bob Bennett, the head of the Nevada Commission, told me on Sunday, the right fighter won, and basically that's all that matters. But that's not all that matters. It's like your judges are missing the mark by a significant, um, you know, distance, and they need to they need to get better. I mean, the and I know you've raised this point as well, Mike. It's like where is the scrutiny of these judges? We know that before when Adelaide Bird turned in her horrific scorecard uh, favoring Canelo Alvarez against Gennady Golovkin in the first fight, she was basically demoted to undercard fights from that point forward. I mean, something like this, in my opinion, needs to happen again because this is not acceptable. And you're basically, you know, no pun intended or pun intended, whatever, you are delivering a black eye to the sport because the the fight fans want to be able to trust in what they're seeing from the action. And when the judges time and again are so far off, it's like, what is really going on here? And it just raises so many uh, troubling questions that we all have to confront. And there's no proof of uh, other than to, to say, you know what, all it could be is incompetence. Yeah, I mean, it's just so unfortunate, Lance, when we have to have those yeah buts. Like, mm-hmm. it was a great fight and a great night and a great performance by Lopez. But, mm-hmm. yes. I mean... I, I just can't fathom it. And and you're right. It's not all that matters because basically what Julie Letterman was telling us was that no matter what Lomachenko did in there, she wasn't going to give him the fight. Right. Like you said, is it corruption? I, I don't know. Is it incompetence? It, it's one of the two. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those two things. And it just seems like we can't go a few fights in a row without this happening. 
whether it's the absurd scorecard we had from CJ Ross, 114-114 for Cano- and Canelo Mayweather, mm-hmm. and a fight Mayweather absolutely dominated, or it's this one, or it's that one. It just seems to never end, and there's you're right. It's, there's no scrutiny. There's no accountability. Right after the fight ended, I spoke to Bob Arum, and I asked Bob what he thought. Bob, of course, was apoplectic. He said he had it 7-5, same as me, and that he thought you know 8-4 was fair, which I totally agree with. 8-4, yeah. 7-5. Oh, yeah. You said you had it. I know you had it a draw. Yeah. Andre Ward did too. Um, I saw Max Kellerman of ESPN say that he thought the acceptable range was from a draw to 8-4, and I think that's fair. I had it, you know, so now we have to ask, where's the, where's the accountability, right? Bob Arum said to me, I asked him if Julie Letterman should be reprimanded. He said that he would advise all of his fighters, if Julie Letterman is ever appointed, to protest and to ask her to be removed. And that's pretty damning from a guy like Bob Arum. And, but the other issue is this, I wanted to, you know, we always want to talk to these judges and they never make them available to us. They just get out of there in a hurry. Then I try to talk to Bob Bennett on, on Saturday and Bennett was, you know, gave me nothing either. He said that, he, oh, he didn't know if the scorecard was off, that he wasn't focused on that. He was focused on replay, and he's not sure if she had a few rounds off. He's not sure if you know anything was wrong at all. I mean, where is the accountability? Yeah, you either care about the sport or you don't. And if you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, you know, get out of the sport because, you know, yeah. I, I mean, we we deal with it all the time, Mike. You know, is boxing a niche sport or is it a mainstream sport? If you want to be mainstream, you have to be fully legitimate and you have to be completely open and transparent to the questions that are being raised after scores like this. And let's hope that, you know, if this is if this is the trigger that gets it done, I hope it is, you know. But I have the feeling that it won't be, and we'll be having this conversation again down the road, which is a damn shame. Me- it's no surprise, right, Lance, when you consider that it's the actual government, the state governments that are regulating this. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And they deserve they deserve a lot more scrutiny than they're getting. And Mike, honestly, if we want to start, start turning our attention to that to that cause, you know, it's, it's probably one that's worth taking. So if you want that kind of attention, uh, regulators, you know, keep turning in cards like this and we're going to be on you. I wanted to ask you, though, Mike, um, after the fight, you were able to uh, hear comments from both Lopez and Lomachenko. What struck you from those conversations? I'm sure Lomachenko um, sought to explain his his strategy. Uh, what what came out of those conversations? Well, unfortunately, Lomachenko stormed out of there. He was oh my gosh. he was really annoyed by this by the uh, judging. Stormed out of there, so we didn't get to talk to him. Oh my gosh. Uh, Lopez, you know, was, uh, he was great. He was calm. It was strange how eerily calm his father was. Maybe he finally had clarity. You know, <laughs> people called him crazy for so long. And this guy is always delivered on his predictions. I got, you got to give him props. Um, he, he said, and so did Lopez, a TFMO junior that they thought 119, 109 was the most correct scorecard. Now, obviously I don't agree with that, but I, I did find it interesting. They both said that, that they think that he'll go to 140 next and vacate. Mm-hmm. Um, all the titles and try to get an immediate shot at the winner of Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez. Mm. That would be interesting, but you know, I, I think Lopez would probably be better served fighting at least once or twice at 135, where he has that size advantage, where he can he has the momentum going now. And but look, this is clearly a guy who has all the confidence in the world. He knows he's going to be a star. That was a star making performance, in my opinion, and. The guy I want to see him fight next is Devin Haney. That's the fight wow. I want to see. Okay. Yeah. How we about know, you? Yeah. I mean, look, I think that ultimately I want to see that fight, but it seems as if, 
And I know we're going to be joined by our uh, guest, uh, WBC President Mauricio Suleiman, who hopefully can provide some clarity on this. But it seems as if uh, Devin Haney is obligated after this fight that he's got coming up against Gamboa to take on the winner of Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia. Um, mm-hmm. So I know Bob Arum said to me after the, after the fight on Sunday, he said, look, what's stopping me from um, getting Tia Fimo in the ring against the Garcia-Campbell winner? But um, I thought that Haney had to deal with him first. So, you know, the other thing that's going to stop Tia Fimo from going to uh, 140 is that, you know, Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor, whoever wins that fight, is going to be obligated, or at least to to deal with, the mandatory of Jack Catterall. So that's going to take them into later in 2021. Ideally, right. I wrote this, I wrote this, Mike, is that, you know, I would like to see a rematch, but I think the onus is going to be on Lomachenko. What does he want to do, and where does he want to go? Uh, I think that, and I think that if he decides to drop down to 130, it's going to be, uh, you know, an indicator of like, look, I, I'm really waving the white flag here on Lopez, don't you? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this fight screams for a rematch. It was mm-hmm. a close fight. It was, you know, it, it took a while to get going, so it, it left us wanting more. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I want, I wanted three more rounds. I wish it was a 15 round fight the way it was going at the end. Yeah. Um, it's interestingly enough when we asked both Tiofimo Senior and his son about the rematch, they both categorically said no chance they're not doing it no wow. interest they, they they already beat them and they said what's going to be different in the rematch i mean i i don't know if they think all right well we already won once why risk it again or they really believe that but it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen i think it's right like you said i think it is more likely that lomachenko goes back to 130 where he's more suited i mean they even there has great fights i would love to see him fight miguel burchelt assuming oh. burchelt as expected beats oscar valdez yeah and then maybe after that, you can build to a super fight, Lomachenko versus Shakur Stevenson. That's a big-time fight. Oh, yeah. And Shakur, Shakur said that he's interested in taking on that fight. He said he was actually like completely motivated by what Tiafimo has done. And he said, look, I need to have the same mindset. So that was very refreshing to hear. Yeah, so that that's look. I mean, 130, 135, 140 are all red hot right now. 147, I mean, we have some really good talent in all these divisions. When it comes to the Teofimo side, assuming there's no rematch, and it doesn't sound like there will be, unfortunately, I don't have a problem with, as long as you mix and match those four guys, Ryan Garcia, Teofimo, Devin Haney, and Tank Davis, I'm cool with it. Oh my gosh. Uh, You know, I I, I worry though, right? Like Tank Davis is with PBC. um, And we know that Top Rank and PBC very rarely do business. And especially now with Wilder Fury 3 collapsing, um, it's not going to help the chances of that happening. Yeah, but you know, like if you're assured of this is this is the part where I I truly don't understand this, Mike, because if you are assured of a handful of great fights, Gervonta Davis, no matter who you match him with, like you said, with those three other guys, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a money maker. It's going to be a money maker for the fighter. It's going to be the money maker for the networks involved. It's going to be a money maker for the promoters. So why would you not want to participate in that? Rather than say, oh, let's keep it in house and keep him against some, you know, guy that's with us that we know he's going to be able to handle. It's, it's, it's asinine. And again, as we're sitting here (laughs) criticizing boxing, we're all over the hot topics today, Mike. I mean, this is, this is (laughs) one where like you can't, you can't F this up. You know, it's right there for the, oh, they they can. I know. It's like, how can, how can you do this? How can you block, uh, Botch this one, you know, you, you really can't. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to see Gervonta. Can you imagine a Gervonta Davis against Tiafimo Lopez fight? Oh my God. 
Um, yeah, and, and look, and we're not being greedy here. We're saying we'll take you know any combination of these four guys next year. Right, right. When I, you know, if we, uh, Tank versus uh, Tiafimo, great. Tiafimo against Ryan Garcia, fantastic. <laughs> Tiafimo against David Haney, right? I mean, there's yeah. no, there's no bad combinations in there. And if and if and if Tiafimo is going to fight Josh Taylor or Jose Ramirez, that's great too. No complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the problems we get into in boxing is when we have these long, long layoffs, and then the guy comes back against a routine opponent. If mm-hmm. Teofimo wants to get in, you know, a, a routine title defense in his first one uh, as as undisputed champion, that's fine with me. But do it sooner than later. Yeah. Don't make us wait until you know April for that. And now a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mike, the proof that you should be doing this, that they should be doing this, is the number that you mentioned at the top of the show. Three million viewers plus on ESPN, plus their streaming audience for this. How good of a night was this for the sport that we were able to uh, um, see this type of attention on the sport? Oh, man. It's just further backing of what you and I and you know all the other media members continue to hammer home. You know, people do care about boxing. People love the sport. They just want to see the best fight the best. And look, ESPN got behind this fight. They pushed it hard. They treated it like the super fight that it was. And the fans turned out. You know, we hear all the time about, oh, we need this lead-in and that lead-in. I I think that's all bullshit. If you have a great product, people are going to find it. And they found this fight. And it's just further proof. We have to get away from this pay-per-view model that's been shrinking the audience since the 90s, slowly but surely. Uh, you know, we have we have Tank versus Santa Cruz on pay-per-view next week. And what does it do on pay-per-view? My guess is between, you know, 175 and 225. Um, I think Lomachenko versus Lopez, if it was on pay-per-view, would have done maybe similar or a little less. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't help anyone. Yeah, it may make you a few extra bucks in the, in the short term, but in the long run, it doesn't hurt, help anybody. Now, Teofimo Lopez is going to be able to say to ESPN and Top Rank, look, I just pulled in 3 million viewers. You know, I'm a star. Get me these fights, get me paid, and let's keep making, let's keep making the sport bigger and more accessible for everyone. This is really a, a, a point that's uh, very close to the heart of Bob Arum. And, he, and when I spoke to him on Sunday, he was, he was saying, look, you know, we have this fight. We have the monster in a way coming on Halloween. We've got Terrence Crawford in November. And then we've got Burchell and Valdez in December, all free on ESPN. And, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, when ESPN can look at the ratings that the sport has generated, this may be the tipping point that ultimately does bring boxing back to mainstream network television and gets it off pay-per-view. Uh, especially when you can compare and contrast those numbers with the numbers that you know PBC will see from its pay per views, um, is that what you is that what you think will happen? That you know this will kind of like once and for all get people to say, other than the major super fights, we need to have these these fights on network TV. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. I mean, it's 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 exactly what we need. You know, we need the powers that be, whether it's ESPN or Fox or whoever. 
say, you know what? Boxing's worth the investment. Forget about a $90 million budget. Let's make it $200 million. Let's mm-hmm. give these guys the money they need to make the biggest fights on a routine basis. Look at UFC, right? They're getting over $300 million a year from ESPN. Top Rick's getting around $90 million. Right. Let, let's show these networks what boxing can do. Yes, it's a great point. Now, Mike, I know, uh, you know of all these names that we've mentioned, we uh, have both been working on this today of revising our pound-for-pound pound list. Um, tell me tell me how high you're putting up Tia Fimo based on that victory that we Ooh. saw on Saturday night. What are you going to do with him? That's a great question, Lance. I mean, we, we definitely have a big shakeup now. I would say my new pound-for-pounds, I'm going to go with Canelo, obviously, to me. I, I, we heard it on the ESPN broadcast, but it's, it's nonsense. Canelo Alvarez is the unquestioned number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Period. He has the resume. He has the ability. He, he's shown it through multiple weight classes. Now he's number one. I have Naoya Inoue, of you, who you just mentioned, the monster, number two. And then I have Terrence Crawford, number three. After that, Errol Spence, four, Tyson Fury, five. Teofimo, I have entering at number six. Whoa, what off a the strength jump. of a victory. Well, yeah, because, you know, I had Lomachenko uh, three before, so I think it's only fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Usyk, seven, better be of eight. Now I have Lomachenko falling from three to nine, and now Josh Taylor at 10. Wow. How about you? Wow, great, great countdown, Mike. It's like you're the Casey Kasem of boxing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I got um, Canelo, number one, um, Terrence okay. Crawford, number two, and uh, just, just talked to Terrence Crawford, by the way, and, and he got him to talk about the, pound, the new pound-for-pound pound list. So please check that uh, check out that Q and A that's going to be in uh, on the Athletic on Wednesday. Crawford two, Errol Spence three. Now, in a way, is number four, and I know we're going to argue on this point. It's probably, honestly, it's probably just a result of not having seen as many of his fights as I have the other guys. I have to be truthful, but I am looking mm-hmm. forward to staffing his fight on the thirty first, while you'll be at um, the Santa Cruz Davis fight. Um, so that, you know, could ultimately move him up. Um, number five, I have, uh, Tyson Fury, obviously one hell of a boxer at heavyweight. Number six, uh, you know, the, the former unified cruiserweight champion, undefeated Alexander Usyk. And then I've got Tia Fimo at seven, um, just because he was kind of entering, entering the charts, you know, I mean, some of the names on this list are pretty significant as we're, you know, these names that we still have to uh, list on mine. Arthur Beaterbeev, you know, number eight. I mean, that's one hell of a champion. I dropped Loma to nine, you know, from the top three of my uh, grouping as well. And then number 10, just because of the distinguished longtime service and incredible career and the fact that he is coming off one of his biggest victories ever, uh, Manny Pacquiao. But he needs to get back into the ring sooner rather than later, or he he will be absent from the next top 10, Mike. That's a totally legit list, and we actually have very similar ones. I think the only the only we all have the same guys on there, except I have Josh Taylor and you have Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I thought about putting Pacquiao there, and then I thought to myself, if Pacquiao and Josh Taylor fight at War Forty Seven, who am I picking? And I'm oh picking gosh. Taylor. So, very good point. Very good point. Yeah, it's uh, right, well, I, I love doing these things, Mike. I mean, it's uh, it was a it was uh, kind of tough at points, but I think that the, the, we know that the readers love them, so. Um, and I thought it was uh, very interesting to have such of a, a, a dynamic personality like Tiafimo Lopez jumping in there. All the better for the sport. Yep, all the better for the sport. And we're going to talk to someone who says that they're trying to better the sport now. WBC President Mauricio Suleiman. 
Thank you so much for joining the show. I just wanted to say, um, you know, I know you made a decision even before the fight would, took place on Saturday that you were going to allow Tiafimo Lopez to retain the franchise champion belt, uh, even even if uh, he defeated Vasily Lomachenko. Um, how do you feel about this that decision in hindsight now that uh, Tiafimo is wearing that franchise belt? I feel uh, very happy and very proud of uh, the franchise uh, situation and concept because what happened uh, Saturday night ratifies the, the, the reason for the existence of this new concept. As you all aware, every time you introduce a procedure, a rule, a concept, there's going to be resistance to the change. There's going to be hesitation and uncertainty. Uh, but I feel very happy, very strong about having uh, a franchise uh, boxer designated uh, in the case of uh, Canelo Alvarez and now uh, Teofimo Lopez, who defeated Lomachenko and is the undisputed lightweight champion uh, without any questions. Uh, he's the, the ruler on that division. Right. And yeah, I agree with you, Mauricio. He is the undisputed champion. I'm glad you said that. But I, I, I look, I wonder what the point is of the franchise championship. I, I, I think you had good intentions. I know you didn't want to encumber top fighters with all these obligations of the mandatories and free them up. And that was good intentions. But now what we have is we're creating more confusion in the sport. And I think we can all agree that the franchise championship hasn't worked as intended. I don't know. You, you, you have your own opinion, and I respect that. But I don't think it's fair to say all agree that it's not a result. Listen, without the franchise uh, designation, Loma Lopez would not have happened, uh, Mike. Uh, you can go and ask uh, the fighters. You can go and ask the promoters. Go and ask boxing people. And they all have a different view. And they understand uh, what it is. Uh, Devin Haney, the, all the process of what happened in the lightweight division uh, has a complete explanation step by step. And we are here to try to do justice, to try to take uh, the understanding of what has happened even without the pandemic. And then, of course, with the pandemic, we changed uh, everything that uh, had to do with this division. Right. But, you know, I'm sure you can agree that one of the biggest issues facing our sport is general confusion with who is champion. And now we have a guy with four belts who you say, and I agree, we all agree, is the undisputed champion. And all the fans that Lance and I interact with are all saying, wait, is Haney the champion? Is he not? Haney's over here saying he's champion, that he's undisputed. I, I just fail to see what the point is. And I, I just feels like now you're creating more confusion. And I would just wonder if you're going to evaluate if maybe the franchise isn't a great idea. And it's really more of the same we see with the WBA, with super champion, regular champion, interim champion, champion in recess, champion emeritus. Like, when does it stop? You are, you are creating the confusion. If you were open to understand uh, the explanation, maybe you could have a different view and a different uh, side so the fans can, can evaluate. I take the high road. I am very proud that Loma Lopez uh, was able to take place. I am very proud that uh, we're going to have Haney fighting Gamboa, which is a great fight. I am very proud to see Ryan Garcia against Campbell, which is a great fight. 
And I am very proud to see Fortuna against Linares, which is a great fight. It's a big all-around tournament in the lightweight division. And if there is confusion, I think that goes down and I take the high road of the great fights that the fans are going to enjoy. Yeah, I know, Mauricio, um, you had, I had spoken to you last week, actually, you had a conference call in which you, you elaborated on your decision to allow Tiafimo to fight for the franchise belt. And you said, look, this guy has the ability in my mind, or at least to some of the people that you have talked to, um, to perhaps be the next Roberto Duran of the sport. Do you think that highly of him? I do. I do. I, I have followed uh, Teofimo for several years. And uh, there are certain abilities that uh, the great ones have. And uh, we have uh, seen that he is a special. He has something special. Um, we, we told it. I mean, you can, uh, everyone who says it after the fight, then you should evaluate what was said before. You uh -huh. and I, we, we spoke uh, weeks before that. And it was clear. And I, I think that uh, Lo uh, Lopez has a long future ahead at, at 23 and uh, at such a discipline and with the uh, characteristics that he has, he has a bright future. Yeah. And let me ask you this, because like Mike referenced, there is confusion about like the way it all would work. And one of the things that Bob Aram told me on Sunday was, hey, what's to stop me instead of like going back to a Lomachenko rematch? What's to stop me from saying, I want, I want Tiafimo to fight the winner of Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. Now, it, I had thought that the, that the winner of that fight was, was going to be pointed toward Devin Haney. But as franchise champion, does Tiafimo have that power to say like, no, I want the, I want the winner of that fight instead. And because I'm franchise champion, I have more say than you, Haney. The power that has a franchise uh, champion is to to request to fight uh, against the champion of the division. Uh, the Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell fight is uh, a, a direct elimination. The winner is mandatory to Devin Haney. The winner of Fortuna against Linares is mandatory also for Devin Haney. Uh -huh. So... I, I understand. Please don't get me wrong. I understand the confusion or the perceptions. Uh, mm -hmm. But as I say, I prefer to see the great fights and to see the great activity and boxing being discussed over a confusion of who is who. Uh, for, for the WBC, Devin Haney position is very clear. Uh, Devin Haney uh, was in the mix of uh, fighting for the title, for eliminations, when, when Mikey Garcia was a champion. Mm -hmm. Then Mikey Garcia uh, left the, the, the division, so we ordered a series of fights, and then Lomachenko petitioned to fight, which was unprecedented. So he fought Luke Campbell. But we ordered Haney. Uh, we did not uh, uh, took aside Haney's position he fought for an interim title because what was happening and then when uh, Lomachenko was uh, designated franchise he was named the WBC champion he defended that championship and won earned one million dollars mm -hmm. so if you ask me I take 
the benefit for the boxers. I take the benefit for the industry. And uh, right, uh, yeah. I mean, right, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, these are all good fights, and that's great and all. But, I, I mean, I'm getting confused just listening right now. I mean, you're the man who can clear this all up. You're the guy in charge. You do a lot of great in the sport for health and safety, and I appreciate that. But it just feels like now is the time to maybe re reevaluate this. It's creating a huge mess. It's incredibly unpopular. And it just feels like this is more of the same as the WBA, where the WBA has super champion and regular champion. Do we really need a WBC super champion and regular champion? We already have four sanctioning bodies, and now we can't even figure out who's the champion in each sanctioning body. It's absurd. Mike, it is clear that I'm not going to get uh, through you. But uh, eventually, uh, time will tell. I am convinced, I am happy, I am proud to have a, a designation for those who are the really uh, driving forces of boxing. So I will take it. If you want to criticize it and, and say it's a world confusion and it's a mess and the world is ending, go ahead. I so, stay, if you're I, so if you're I, doing I, it for the no, fighters... I stay firm with the facts. He, he, uh, okay, so... Haney making millions of dollars. Lopez, uh, Lomachenko creating the greatest um, uh, right, viewers. These guys are making money. These guys are making money regardless of the, the greatest belt. No, you're wrong. You are absolutely wrong. So Lomachenko Lopez would have been less money if it was for three belts and not four belts. You're saying absolutely. Okay, fine. So you're doing this to the fighters. Fine. And, and so Haney, that means you're not taking Haney would not make a million dollars if he was not the WBC champion. All right, so that means you're not taking a sanctioning fee from both Lopez and Haney then? Only from Haney? Why are you going to go into that ridiculous argument, Mike? Um, if you're doing it for the fighters, I would assume that you're not taking sanctioning fees from all, you know, all these why, guys. Why, why not sanction a fight and take sanctioned fees? We, we operate the sport of boxing. So just, it the only, seems the like only, a cash grab. The only thing that you do is create people and fans confused and say that the organization's uh, take the money and do and put it in their pockets. I invite you to do an investigation of what the WBC does with its finances and, and put it up and say it to the world. Like I mentioned earlier, I think you do a lot of good for health and safety. But oh, we, we, do. Like we do and we spend fortunes in the clean boxing program. We spend fortunes uh, funding with UCLA and other medical uh, entities around the world. We have committees. We have so many things that we do in social responsibility. But you are blinded by that and you don't care. It's okay. You are to report boxing activity. I appreciate it and I accept it. But don't get people this, uh, uh, so uh, infuriated against the WBC or the other organizations because of sanctioned fees and ridiculous accusations that have no grounds. Mauricio, I wanted, I wanted Mike, did you want to finish? I'm sorry. No, all I was going to finish with is like, again, you know, you're doing good stuff, but it's, we don't need four sanctioning bodies. We don't need four of them. And when we have one of them or two of them creating confusion within their own sanctioning body, it's just a big problem for the sport. And I'm hoping someone like you is going to clear this up sooner or later. That's all. Yeah. It's a confusion for you, but uh, uh, just for your confusion for everyone, just for your confusion for, just the fans. for your information, there are not four sanctioning bodies. There are like 80 around the world. There's four major ones that are recognized by the, by the American boxing public.
the WBO, the WBC, the WBA, and the IBF. And right now, it's like the IBF and the WBO are the only ones that actually have one champion in their in their own stratosphere. And look, it's just very confusing for the boxing fans. I think it's, we- not, it's bad for the sport. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from one of our sponsors. I think we can all agree that, you know, the WBC is by far the the best known of the sanctioning bodies and probably does the most in regards to giving back to the sport. And one of the things, one of the things, Mauricio, I know you're trying to take a leadership uh, point on and again, are uh, (laughs) receiving more criticism over is um, uh, this idea of enhancing the judging. Now, look, we, we all saw what happened on Saturday night. When Julie Letterman came in with an 11 rounds to one, 119 to 109 scorecard in favor of Teofimo Lopez, that Steve Weisfeld, a, a longtime veteran judge, came in at nine rounds to three, 117 to 111. Now I think Mike, you had it uh, seven to five. I actually, I actually I had it seven five. I actually had it a draw. I mean, obviously, if I had to pick a winner, it would have been Teofimo Lopez. Um, and I think that Bob Arum, the promoter of the fight, said the same thing, that it was probably be around 7-5 um, that way. So, Mauricio, you've come up with the idea and you've done a lot of work on this with remote judging of, of making uh, having like a five-judge remedy where you would have three, three judges ringside. Now, it, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Three judges ringside and then two working remotely. When I brought up this idea uh, over the weekend to the head of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Bob Bennett, he basically scoffed at it and said, like, this is not an idea that's going to work and one that he's really not that interested in. How far away are we from trying to get to this, what I see as a solution, to be honest with you? Because I think the more eyes we have on these fights, the more it de- de-emphasizes the, the possibility that someone who's just, you know, I don't know what they're watching, turns in a scorecard of, of 119 to 109 on this fight and can affect the outcome of the fight as we've seen in, in other cases. Yeah, this is a concept that has uh, been born through the pandemic uh, because of technology. We have had this uh, remote scoring system for a couple of years, using it to evaluate and train ring officials. So what we do, we have a very complex system uh, it's an application that uh, a, a ring official gets. So you watch a fight on television, you score it, and the live score goes to, to the supervisor like a hub. Mm-hmm. And w- what we have seen is the great uh, result is that the more judges that score a fight, the less opportunity for a controversy and a bad decision. So if you have eight judges, ten judges scoring, and you have a couple that had a bad night, then still you have a, a, a right result because the winner gets the, the notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, many things, limitations regarding the technology. Uh, if you have to watch the fight through the view that you see on regular television, or if you can get a private feed, if you can get uh, special angles, etc., etc., etc. We're working on this. We are very enthused. The results have been phenomenal. And uh, we can, you know, combination of on-site judges and uh, remote judges, all, all remote judges, or it's just a matter, the concept, if we could get five or six even judges on-site, that would be great. 
the problem comes with uh, the boxing jurisdictions where the fight takes place. They are, they have the absolute control over such rules mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. also finances. Finances is a matter. The more judges, it will be more expensive for the promoter. But I, I'm I'm happy we're working along. Uh, just as an example, instant replay. The WBC was the one that instituted it officially in boxing 12 years ago. It has worked very well, and it took 12 years for jurisdictions to use it. So uh, we have no rush. We're trying to bring this and make the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great idea. Um, look, all the major sports now, NHL, NBA, NFL, they all use the, the, the replays at central, central governing, right? They go to the league office and they have an extra set of eyes there. I think it would be a great idea if you have two judges watching remotely on TV and maybe, you know, you have five judges total, three ringside. Maybe you just get rid of the two, you know, scores that are the widest and then you get the three that are the most consistent. Yeah. 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 That, that's a, it's a work uh, on process. Uh, we are, we have a very good committee, many people working on it. And uh, uh, we have done a couple of fights. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, in, in Michoacan, Mexico, they could not have uh, people. So they had a lot of limitations on the protocol for the safety of COVID. So we took the signal and we've had six judges watching the fights on, on that signal. And those were the official scores. Wow. Great results. Uh, we have done combined uh, uh on-site and remote so it's something to the work and as i said in the beginning with the franchise thing every time there's a new concept or a new rule there's going to be resistance because that's human nature but we'll work hard on it and try to make something good for for the officiating which is the greatest challenge in every sport okay yeah i mean obviously that is a work in, in progress and let's hope that you can get to that by next year because i think the sooner the better given some of these scores that have happened and i one thing before we move on to the uh, other topic is i saw that you had uh elevated Dwayne ford into uh like a leadership capacity when it came to working with the officials and uh you know as someone who knows him pretty well i know he was involved in like one bad score with uh, bradley and pacquiao years ago but i think more more uh, often than not this is a guy who truly cares about making sure that the officials are you know working um in in the most competent way possible yes he's the chairman of the ring officials committee now and uh he's a tremendous asset a great official great experience was a boxing commissioner for many years and has the absolute knowledge, and he's a good teacher, which is so important for a, for that uh, specific role. Uh, if you have knowledge and you can teach, and you can listen, and you can have a program to to educate and to bring to the higher level every official, then you have a great situation going. He's working on putting together the committee from the whole world, and it's very exciting. Great. Um, and now I wanted to ask you this too, Mauricio. And again, this is, uh, I know you, you've been brought into this show and it's like you're, you're the, uh, <laughs> you're on the whipping post, but you've been taking, <laughs> you've been taking a lot of lashes because you, you created this new division between the cruiserweight and the heavyweight division. And, and, and clearly a lot of the people that were very quick to say, you know, look, this is just another way for the WBC to pocket sanctioning fees for another champion, but, 
Look, there is a there is a pretty wide divide weight wise uh, between cruiserweight and the heaviest of heavyweights. So, what was your thinking in forming this, and who do you see as as possible participants in this division? When will it start? Look, uh, this began many years ago, and it has been a topic of discussion, uh, informal topic of boxing fans and and historians. If you look at the weight of uh, Jack Dempsey. Joe Lewis, all the heavyweights for decades. He was 180, 190, uh, 200 was a very heavy uh, weight for a champion. Mike Tyson was 215. Uh, even Wilder was 218, 224, 228. Uh, for many uh, meetings that I was at the conventions of the WBC and the NABF, I saw presentations in which like Kathy Duba would give a great speech about this weight situation and how humans have uh, became bigger in all aspects. Uh, we looked into it four years ago and we drew the petition of creating a weight category. And uh, Don Majeski uh, put it forward again, but bringing a lot of data. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he brought data that was a great story about IPRO, Mm -hmm. And um, we we see light heavyweight to cruiserweight is a 25-pound differential mm -hmm. from from super middle to to light light middle uh, light heavyweight. It's only a seven-pound differential. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a great gap uh, of uh, small heavyweights, uh, cruiserweights, and big light heavyweights which um, create a, a, a unfair uh, advantage to some and a risk for others either to stay down or to move up and give too much uh, advantage. So mm, right. we spoke uh, with Tony Bellu. He was a, a great ambassador of this. He uh, had a very difficult time staying at light heavyweight then went on to cruiserweight and won the title, and then tried at heavyweight uh, against David Hay. But uh, he's a great example, and he was uh, uh, fundamental to make the decision of uh, creating the new weight category. Right. I mean, you know, I definitely see the logic from a competitive and safety standpoint, but the issues I see, you know, you have three other sanctioning bodies here. What if they don't want to recognize it or ignore it? Then we have guys that are going to be confused at what weight they're going to compete at, and I, I mean, it creates all sorts of confusion. Once again, there's that word. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be the confused man in the future. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to have... Uh, the world boxing of confusion. Yeah, you can brand it that way, my dear Mike. <laughs> uh, we, we can have... We're going to have a, a six, to one, six months to one year grace period in which we're going to rank fighters in uh, two divisions. Uh, they're going to evaluate and, and select which uh, division they would like to be ranked and which the division they would like to compete. So let's say a 210-pound fighter, he wishes to remain in the heavyweight uh, division. That's going to be absolutely acceptable, and he will be ranked in that division. It's going to take time. It's going to be a process. Just uh, when the WBC created the cruiserweight, it didn't exist before. Uh, or the straw weight or the other intermediate weight categories. 
uh, have been a great success, uh, but mostly have uh, made boxing uh, safer for the athletes. Right. No, I, I, again, I definitely see the logic. Um, I guess my other question is, are, are you going to call a 225 and above super heavyweight and call the new division heavyweight? Or have you decided that yet? No, no, no. It's absolutely, uh, there is no way of touching the heavyweight division. Uh, the heavyweight champion is a master, is the greatest, uh, most important champion. That's a tradition in the sport for for centuries. So the 224 and above is a heavyweight. And uh, the other division is going to be named and be, it will be announced in a couple of days uh, with a very special name of the announcement. Oh, you man, come on, Mauricio. You don't want to break some news here? We're going to name it the Mike Coppinger weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm only 180 he's, right he's now. I got to hit the weight. I got to hit the weight room then. Uh, okay. <laughs> but Mauricio, last thing on this. I mean, because obviously this is a division that could draw in the likes of, and I know we, we spoke about this yesterday. It could draw in the likes of Deontay Wilder, Alexander Usyk, Murat Gassiev. Will any of these guys come to this division or are they going to be just too enamored with, like you said, the history of the heavyweight division and the history of the heavyweight belt and want it, want to, you know, reach for that rather than, you know, this, this other division. Yeah. Uh, of course they have the option to decide. Uh, we have an example where Povetkin, I believe he weighed 225 when he fought white, who was 250 or 250 something. And he knocked them out. Yeah. So, you know, these are big, big guys and they have punch, punching power. And, uh, there's no doubt that a heavyweight, even if he's a smaller, he can knock out a bigger heavyweight. But uh, this is something that has been studied for several years. And it has data that uh, can bring an interesting uh, new opportunities for a variety of fighters from, from around the world. So we will see. Uh, I feel confident he's going to do very well. And uh, I have spoken to several fighters who are very much enthused about this new category. Okay. Uh, last question I had, Mauricio, is, you know, we're at a point right now where Canelo Alvarez does not have a fight. He's embroiled in this uh, dispute with uh, his promoter, Golden Boy, and his broadcaster, DAZN. Uh, Tyson Fury, your heavyweight champion, has withdrawn from a, a trilogy fight against Deontay Wilder. How troubled are you by the, the absences of these guys, or at least the, the non-involvement of what, what could have been a uh, really huge fight with Tyson Fury? Is there anything that you can do as head of the WBC to ever mediate or kind of broker peace between these parties to try to get them together for the for the uh, you know for the sake of boxing to make sure that these guys are participating? You know, we constantly do that. We mediate and uh, we speak with uh, several uh, members of the industry, like promoters, managers, trainers, the fighters themselves, and. The optimal situation is to find a resolution. When matters go to court, everything gets complicated and uh, it gets out of the hands of uh, a, a solution. But uh, sometimes these are inevitable and once they decide to go to court, then uh, their center is, is big. Regarding Canelo, uh, we're waiting to see how his court process goes. And uh, and we'll see, of course, 
everyone would love to see Canelo in the ring uh, by the end of this year. Everyone would love to see Tyson Fury against Wilder, which uh, was the greatest fight of the year on February 22nd. But unfortunately, as I say, uh, this pandemic has brought uh, so many difficulty situations to everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we are on communications with both sides of Tyson and Wilder, and we will see what happens. Uh, we have no official uh, communication still. And as far as the WBC is concerned, December 19th is still the fight that was registered. So from that, we have not heard official. Uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to be in communications with both sides. I mean, it's not happening December 19th. So, Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but uh, we cannot rely on 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 uh, media communications. We have to wait for a day to confirm uh, directly to the WBC. All right, we'll make a deal. If they fight December 19th, you have to get rid of the franchise championship status. <laughs> And then what do I get? I'll leave boxing. I'll retire. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Mauricio, for joining us today. We really appreciate uh, your appearance here on the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. And we'll be, be talking to you down the road. Thank you. Thank you, Lance. Thank you, Mike. And have a great week. Thank you so much to Mauricio Suleiman for joining us. You can follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at WBCMoroMO. R-O. And all right, guys, that's our show for today. And if you want to support the show, we appreciate anything you can do. Subscribe, rate, review. Thanks again, as always. And remember, you can subscribe right now to The Athletic for just $1 per month at theathletic.com slash hug and cop.